The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and as always with me is my companion, Stephen. Greetings. This series of Old Space Show follows the intergalactic swashbuckling escape antics of Roush Blake and his ruffian crew in the first season of Blake's Seven. Today, we are discussing the, oh, the seventh episode, Mission to Destiny. In this episode, Kendall, the captain of a spaceship whose crew member has been murdered, offers Blake the location to Destiny if he helps him find the killer on board the ship. All right, this one is again directed by Pennant Roberts. And as always, it says Terry Nation wrote it. And our cast, Gareth Thomas, Sally Nevette, Paul Darrow, Jan Chapel, Michael Keating, David Jackson, Peter Tuddenham, Barry Jackson, Beth Morris, Stephen Tate, Nigel Humphreys, and John Leeson. John Leeson. Yep. This is a, this is a fabulous episode for Doctor Who actor spotting, let me tell you. <laughs> there we go. Name them off, Stephen. Well, we've got Barry Jackson, uh, <clears throat> who, I, ironically enough, as I was watching this, and they had like the intro uh, <laughs> where the, the pilot gets killed, and, uh, and then it sort of fades to black, and I was half expecting uh, the Midsummer Murders theme to, to, to start <laughs> up. Um, which features in in the first few seasons Barry Jackson as uh, as the the coroner George Bullard. Uh, so Barry Jackson, but he was he's been in several Doctor Who episodes, uh, most famously as Drax in around the same time in uh, the Armageddon Factor. We had uh, Nigel Humphreys played Bulick in Warriors of the Deep. Cara uh, Forgione played uh, was in two different roles in Doctor Who in the Planet of the Spiders and Ghostlight. Yes, I am doing this off the top of my head. Uh, love Stuart, it. I love it. Stuart Fell, barely seen as the dead Dortmund, has been a, a, a stuntman uh, in many Doctor Who episodes. And then, uh, of course, you say John Leeson, uh, who we saw on screen in uh, The Power of Kroll around the same time as well. But he's, of course, <clears throat> most famous for the voice of Canine. Yes. You know, it's funny. When I was going through like Space 1999, I always would go through the cast list and I would, uh, and others, sci-fi things talk about look, looking for you know the doctor who people connections this show i don't have to do that <laughs> i just go steven <laughs> who's it there's ones i, I recognize and then there's but steven will get them all right in the right right off the bat and i love it i love the the who connection um this so this episode steven is this is the old uh, agatha christie in space episode right it's uh you have I, to do I, them I, right <laughs> Uh, well, I suppose you do. I think you're right. I I quite like that. I uh, I mean, this is only what my third third watch through Blake Seven. Um, 
let's let's face it, because I'm doing a podcast on it, and I feel like I, I should probably remember <clears throat> things about it. It's the first one that I'm really properly paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rather enjoyed this one. I really rather enjoyed the, the whodunit aspect of it. Uh, I love that Paul Darrow basically gets to be Hercule Poirot. Like you're, you're probably wondering. Right? Why I, called I had that in my notes <laughs> in in the room together as he sort of goes through it. I thought he was just fabulous. Um, it sets a precedent. Uh, spoiler alert: where we record like three episodes at a time, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, didn't like every single one of these episodes essentially have? Let's beam down. I'll go over here now. Make sure to be- meet us at this exact time so we can beam you back. Oh, you've encountered a difficulty, and now we're stuck on this thing. That seems to be like a thing, and that's kind of what happened. In well, this and everybody too. got their turn to beam down, too, I noticed, because next week we'll have a group that isn't this group, and the other people <laughs> get to ha- hang out and do boring stuff on the ship that yeah. looks important. I know. Like, I'm. it's it's funny how, like, Villa has sort of been sidelined, and uh, Gan does nothing. Gan does nothing in this episode. Absolutely nothing. Uh, it's all, it's, this is, it's basically uh, Callie, Blake, and Avon, and sometimes Jenna. Not um, even a lot of Blake. Like, he's no. just there to set up. He's like, uh, yeah. all right, everybody, I, he's the dad dropping off. He's like, all right. Or these these people are gonna these people are gonna be your counselors for the week, or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I'll just take the stuff and go off back to uh, back to the home planet and drop it off, and you know FedEx it over there, and I'll be back. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's you know it, already I find they're sort of having to come up with interesting ways to split the crew up for story purposes, and then give each <clears throat> faction something to do. And uh, and this one's weird because there's it's you know it's it's a murder mystery, so the, it's really riding on the guest cast a lot more mm-hmm. than than a normal show would be. And how would you feel like I'm the main cast member, and uh, like here I am just sitting here, sitting in a chair, spouting lines for between scene stuff. I might get cut, who knows? But let yeah. our guest cast take all the stuff and chop it. Like Villa, he gets he's kind of sidelined for a lot of episodes. Now that I think of it, so far he'll get some action later. Uh, in our block here that we record, but um, yeah, this one this one is Callie and Avon, and I'd say like, oh look, a unintentional foreshadow of what would be later in the series, rather than because of you know the turn it takes after season two, right? Yes, like can these two people lead a show? <laughs> it does feel like it. and yes it did yes they can actually yes, this can. is actually really quite good you have you basically have a one and one a when it comes to lead i i really wonder how how quickly because i know the ratings are good for the show right from the get-go mm-hmm. and i'm wondering what how people viewed it in the public were they like yay blake and the rest of the team or wow we really like avon like how quickly did avon become the star yeah. um of of this show uh, I'm really curious of what the public opinion was at the time. Yeah, that yeah, it's true. There's no real. I mean, this isn't a show with like a lot to dig up and find too. Like we'd need a uh, Richard Bignall type person to give us <laughs> that type of information because yeah, it's. I mean, this is still this is a very cult show in a in a in a time we live in where cult properties kind of wishy washy because we have access to so much stuff now so easily. I feel Blake Seven still remains a cult property. Um, where a lot of things I think have risen above their cult status. 
Yeah, like Doctor Who is so widely available on both sides of the Atlantic, both mm-hmm. in, you know, DVDs and print, but also like just books. Books, there's been so many <clears> books <throat> written about Doctor Who and continue to be written about Doctor Who that this sort of thing is, you know, easier to sort of, you know, get a glimpse of, of what the public opinion was at the time. Blake Seven less so, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is kind of fascinating because it looks like Doctor Who, it sounds like Doctor Who, uh, but it, you know much less about it for some odd reason because there just isn't the, the larger fan circles that have, uh, that have sort of risen up and, and done podcasts about it or, ri- or written like, you know, Blake Seven magazine or, or, or anything like that. So, uh, so finding out information about the show, which is what I'm always interested in. I like the mm-hmm. show as well, but I, I, I love, you know, knowing how the sausage is made. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, f- finding that, that sort of thing out is, is a lot more difficult. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because my, my daughter, uh, when I was watching one of these episodes, came in and sat down, and she was doing something while I was watching it, and she said, oh, is this Doctor Who? And I was like, <laughs> no. She's like, what is it? And I was like, well, Blake Seven. She goes, I was like, it very much has a lot of people involved in Doctor Who. and <laughs> from, the air, producers air, of, from the producers, producers of Doctor Who. Blake and she goes, Seven. yeah, I can tell. I was like, all yeah. right. Well, yeah. Makes yeah. I mean, if you walked by a Blake Seven, you might be thinking you're watching like the prologue of a of a Doctor Who <laughs> serial. You know, like that's yeah. It's very much. I mean, there's no bones about it. Like, um, but yeah, you know, that's the fun. That's why that's part of why we love it too. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This so this murder mystery. We were in a series of episodes where it was like, well, is this what it's gonna be? Like just stopping places once a week, and this is the good version of that. Yes, this isn't the web. Uh, <laughs> this is this is actually a well-written script with uh, interesting characters, and none of them are dressed up as weird, uh, screaming alien guys, uh, which is odd in the web. Still thinking about that. Still can't get that one out of my head. Yeah, um, yeah. This one, and you know, it's a, it's 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 well directed. It's uh, it's well acted. It it looks great. Um, it's a mystery. I I didn't necessarily. I, the one thing I didn't catch this time which I thought was really rather clever is mm-hmm. when, uh, the, the sort of the, the board, the little, uh, notepad that, uh, yep. Rafford scrawls, uh, that what everyone assumes is a number onto this thing. Um, it sits there right next to Callie and, uh, and the camera sort of pans down and, and, and she goes, Oh, it's probably, it's probably somewhere right in front of us. And we just, we cannot see it. Huh. And, but and it cuts away like they didn't do like some surreptitious like sort of push into the to the prop it's in the background semi out of focus uh but it's there the whole time i thought that was quite subtle quite that's, subtle yeah that's indeed. great um you know if if it was a film series i bet you you probably probably would have like oh we got to put a cutaway then because you know you can do that but it's a multi-cab situation they wouldn't want to waste a camera at the very end of a scene just to get this one close-up of the thing and plus it would just sort of ruin it and everything right. so the fact that they didn't sort of like uh stoop to uh having that that linchpin that macguffin there uh, uh being shown on screen so obviously i thought i thought was uh, some admirable restraint well, this one—I mean, this one does have a lot of tropes of the murder mystery stuff. Um, it does; it's confident in them and doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's not uh, hokey or whatever with it. It's just, you know, it, it knows what it's doing. Like, there's the classic, um, you know, uh, the, the scene where I can't forget the character's name. He's in the green and the beard, or he's got the point of view shot. He's like, "Oh, it's you!" Or, uh, oh, you know, yeah, or, Mandrian. I knew you. Yes, yeah. Mandrian. I knew you'd be here. And you know, addressing the the camera as yeah. if it's a person. Like, there's th- that classic thing. There's you know, a lot of 
attitudes, suspicions, people going missing. Like there's the missing person that uh, is a suspect because they've just disappeared. Where are they? Because there's the person we see killed at the beginning that they all know yep. died. And then there's someone else that's been missing. Like, where did he go? And there's a rocket that's been ejected. And they're like, hmm, what's going on? And uh, yeah. Got and eventually Avon susses it out in, uh, in, in very, very classic Poirot style. Oh, yeah. His Poirot stuff is great. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing towards the end. Um, this, oh, the uh, I, I saw him with a dagger in his hand, but you didn't see him use it. That kind of keys in where he starts yeah. his, his <laughs> thing. Oh, yeah. I definitely like it. And I, I do think, um, back to the, this being a one-off, but this one being a one-off where um, I could see the potential of its value in the mission with Blake and them because this is a group of people on this ship from a planet called Destiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 I mean, this really is a mission to Destiny. You know it's a Terry Nation script when he names it Planet Destiny because he always mm-hmm. names the planets after what needs to happen <clears throat> when they get there, basically. Like a Desperus is a desperate escape uh, from in the Daleks Master Plan and Doctor Who. There's mm-hmm. like, you know, Iridius because it's arid, uh, you know, all sorts of things like that. So Destiny, yeah, a little, little so that the destiny of our race is to get back there the destination essentially is where we need to get to Boucher's so like sure you can put your name on this yes yeah exactly yeah uh but these people aren't members of the federation and you can see the the opportunity for blake to go out of his way to help to have allies to build his resistance across the universe with these people should this work out mm-hmm. so i i do i feel like there's a- added value to it as a ongoing narrative even though it is a one-off not a mythology episode um but there is like oh this is what they do you know they they try to befriend they help people and they build more to the cause this is why people follow raj blake and um it's kind of stuff he gets into to i i don't know recruit um Mm -hmm. rush week i don't know build (laughs) stuff but yeah so i can kind of see the value in this as opposed to the web where it's just like ah They're the monster. We're done. Okay, bye. We're still thinking about the web. Yeah, uh, that's gonna. It's gonna be season four. We're gonna be like, oh, remember the web? <laughs> remember the web? Well, there's there's an episode in season four which might be worse than the web. But oh, that's a right. long ways away. A that is long a, ways. That's away. a bit of a ways away. Um, there was a since we we both like the technical side of things. There's a weird shift between film and video in this for reasons I couldn't understand. It's I was going to actually mention that. It's uh what it's fascinating in this season mostly. And remember how I mentioned earlier how, I, how Blake 7 basically inherited the production schedule of um a cop show, a, what, right? A or cop a precinct. Show. So, yeah. Yeah, Ted Carson Dixon Doc Green, that's what it was. And I I I mean, there's reasons to shoot on film. There's uh, there's technical reasons. If you're going to like use like fire or water, it would be difficult in an electronic studio with cameras around. Later in be... life, a Blu-ray release. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and there would be BBC safety protocols that would just sort of prevent that. Um, other times, it's uh, well in the '60s or something. Well, we didn't. This actor was on vacation, so we had to pre-film all their stuff. Mm. Um, third, you know, hey, we want to actually make it look like an outdoor set or something like that, like in Doctor Who, like the Face of Evil or or uh, or the Planet Pl- of Evil. Planet of Evil, yes, especially evil, evil, evil yeah. Uh, what I can tell in this one, 
because uh, they, they remember in um, episode two, Spacefall, they had it, but there was also a big fight scene in there. So you could, okay, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they're doing it so they could, they could you know, better uh, concoct a fight scene. There are no real fight scenes in any of the scenes set on film. It might just literally be, we didn't have enough room in the studio mm-hmm. for all the sets, so we had to go pre-film one, because that, okay. that has also happened. Mm. Uh, also... Maybe they had uh, an allotment of film time, like film budget to use perhaps, and they couldn't, you know, either they couldn't fit the set in the studio or they needed to actually have an extra day in the studio and thus they had to do it on film because if they usually, I think what they usually probably shot one of these like in maybe three or four days, I think it'd be, I'm just thinking Mm -hmm. because Doctor Who, they would shoot a four part story. If it was all studio, it would be six days in two blocks most usually. I think these are just these are just one block, so probably three days. And I bet you maybe since it was all in studio and they were a lot of sets, maybe they actually had to uh you know, maybe they could only do two days and had to do an us one one film. I don't know. This this Brandon is why I wish we had like right. Blake Seven Confidential or fanzines or something at the time to sort of break this stuff down because there's I'm guessing that's the reason for it nothing nothing uh, technical or or uh, you know dramatic reasons or anything like that I think purely because of logistics they shoot a enjoy bunch of our theorizing <laughs> and somebody's gonna write it down put it on the internet and someone's yeah. gonna read it and put it on their piece of the internet and it becomes fact and it originates here for Brandon and Steven going I don't know maybe because I noticed there was a corridor that Callie would go down and back and mm-hmm. that was on film and I was like oh maybe it's these corridors and then she'd go in a room and it was film again I was like oh well never mind yeah never yeah mind. there was that one there <clears throat> is the one scene that you mentioned earlier where uh, where Mandrian sort of turns to the camera oh of course you'd be here and mm-hmm. like you know that would be difficult to hide the identity perhaps in a, in a videotape scenario but I don't think that's worth setting up a whole series of shots uh, for that one or two sets on film just to have that one shot so my guess is purely for logistics they couldn't either A fit it in the studio that they were shooting at or B didn't have the time to shoot that scene in the studio and so thus had to go on film. Gotcha, yeah. Fascinating stuff. If you're still listening. Uh, <laughs> I love talking about that stuff. So like, uh, like, I wonder, I hope my listeners enjoy it too because I just go with what I like. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that just, yeah, it, caught, it catches your attention because this one's a really odd i mean if you're used to watching the british television shows this one's kind of like the a really odd mixture of trying to figure out why but um this one i i like it too but i was sitting here trying to take notes and stuff it's not super like detailed in terms of i don't know like a lot of discussion well we've had plenty of discussion topics but it's a lot of scenes of like people fixing things or snooping around Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that's a lot of the episode I, I noticed because there's Avon's fixing something, John Leeson's fixing something, the people on the Liberator are sitting looking bored as they travel, <laughs> right? And yeah, it's and there's not a lot of big conversations to go around. It's yeah, it's it's just kind of you sit, observe, and enjoy the mystery. I think is. <laughs> Yeah, More and that's what I did this time mm-hmm. around. Yeah, you know, I just like I'm I'm just sitting it down. I think I remember uh, who gets it's 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 Sarah who mm-hmm. uh, you know is uh, is sort of like very conveniently sort of ignored for large chunks of it, <clears throat> um, as if to sort of like you know 
<laughs> make sure that she doesn't seem as guilty as say Sonheim does or something like that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, it was it was an enjoyable uh, little murder mystery. What, right. Something something I wasn't necessarily expecting from Blake Seven uh, so early in the run. Like you know, especially after uh, Seek, Locate, Destroy, which yes. is you know as we discuss is kind of like the template for like the beginning of Blake Seven. Let's face it. Right. There's Serverland, the Federation, Travis, like everything is there that is basically the icons of, of Blake Seven. And the very next week, it's like nope. Murder mystery in space. I think they're, you know, they're just not, well, you know, they probably have these scripts commissioned. Like it's, I, I could see it where it's like, oh, they're not sure if that's going to work. And then the episode works and then they bring them all back later, but yeah. they're, they're back next week. So I, it, it, it had to been known, but yeah, it's, it's weird to take this one week off. Maybe, maybe in the writing stage, they're like, all right, we got those people. Go figure out something to do with them. You'll have extra time. We're going to write this script here, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Terry's just cranking them out himself. But um, <laughs> you know what? I didn't recognize much of Chris Boucher's polish on this one as I did maybe in earlier episodes. So this feels like very much a Terry Nation uh, solo special in my mind. Very true. Um, so yeah, but Blake foils his plan by at the the resolve of this by killing everybody involved. <laughs> like Is like the, he... the people the people who were meeting up and yeah. while Sarah Sarah basically uh condemns herself because she throws right. the uh the bracelet off, which deserves actually, it. Okay. Yeah, wasn't that clear, but I just like, oh no, I'm gonna sit here and die right. instead. And just sort of okay. And then they just they cut back and everyone's just sitting around. Everyone's very comfy on the couches, just sort of turned around looking at the screen. It just was kind of amusing. Well, it's just this, this potential buyer. We don't know yeah. who it is. It could be some no. ki- kid off eBay. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I found one. Yeah. I'm gonna be able to save our planet. <laughs> Yep, and then it blows up, and it's yeah. okay. And then, and then cut to cut to villa with a joke at the end of it. Oh, right. surely can we take the long way around next time? Wah, 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 wah. Oh, uh, and scene. They did give Gan something to do. He handed out drinks. <laughs> Poor Gan. Oh, so early <laughs> I, on, and he already. Had I noted that. I'm like, do. Gan hands out drinks. That's right. He like, did hand out drinks. He did something. He did oh, something. Man. Oh my. Oh, but uh, but Stephen, um, please set our course again for Earth. But before we give it to the Federation, give it to the Federation, uh, (laughs) please let people know uh, your information. I am on Twitter at Legopolis, and I'm also doing Doctor Who podcasts at Radio Free Scarl, uh, Lazy Doctor Who, and The Memory Cheats. All right. Hashtag Sondheim, not Sondheim. <laughs> Just to make that clear. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. There's more from my show next week, um, as you'll get the commentary for uh, 1965's Kiss Me Deadly, a film noir that was kind of against the grain for its time. It's a really fun commentary with myself, Scott Mendelson, Aaron Newworth, and Yancey Burns. But from Old Space... If it takes all my life, I will destroy you, Blake. I'm not even into this episode, but I will destroy you. (laughs) I will destroy you. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. 
theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.